0: From Impact Alpha, this is Returns on Investment, a show about impact investing. I'm Brian Walsh, head of impact for the fintech company LiquidNet, coming to you from New York City. Joining me is Imogen Rose-Smith, an investment fellow with the University of California. Hello, Imogen. Hi, Brian. And joining us from the world headquarters of Impact Alpha in the San Francisco Bay Area is editor and CEO David Bank. Hi, David. Hey, you guys. Good to be with you. Likewise. On today's show, we'll be discussing impact-washing, or rather, the recent spiking discussions of the topic. Impact-washing seems to be having its very own moment right now. David, why is that?
1: Brian, we've been getting this spate of submissions, contributions to Impact Alpha, um, coming off of convenings and frameworks and retreats and meetings. Everybody wants to put forward principles of impact investing, and the principles are to safeguard the practice that has developed over the last few years and what what everybody is concerned about is this impact washing and the notion is that uh, people are misusing the term or that people are claiming to be impact investors who are not or that there's a dilution of the brand and that this is going to be solved with a set of principles you can imagine as a journalist you know sets of principles is not the most sexy s- story, uh, you know, in competition with uh, other headlines. Um, but what I do think is interesting is that uh, there is this kind of, you know, frenzy of self-reflection in the impact world where everybody wants to somehow codify who's in and who's out.
0: Yeah, it's actually funny, David, Spade of Principles was one of my favorite 80s rock bands. <laughs> 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 so, so, Imogen, uh, David, David, kind of set this up as why we're having this impact washing moment. But what exactly is impact washing? How do we define that?
2: So, I'm always surprised when I use the phrase impact washing or greenwashing, and people in sort of traditional finance and mainstream investing have no idea what I'm talking about, because you know, I, I'm not, you know, I don't spend my entire life in impact land. But to me, it's like a pretty commonly understood phrase and yet apparently it isn't. So you know, what impact washing means is effectively when you are using the sort of cloak or mantle of impact and claiming the, the value from it, whilst behind the scenes, either not having the impact that you claim to be having or in fact having a negative effect. So, you know, again, the, the, the earlier phrase was greenwashing, when people would use the sort of claim that they were doing green things and in fact, wouldn't be. So the most obvious example is Volkswagen, right, where they were going out and they were winning, the car company was going out winning all these sustainable investing awards and, you know, behind the scenes and sort of known to, you know, the people really on the inside, they were rigging emission tests. So it's it's trying to leverage the benefits of impact or sustainability or sustainability or corporate responsibility, whilst either not participating or in fact doing harm.
0: So isn't this a positive sign, David, that the market values the impact label so much that uh, people find it in their own interest to use that label to try to raise money for their funds or projects? So uh, isn't this actually a, a positive sign that, uh, that things are progressing? A good problem to have. I think I think that's right. In fact, you know, the other the other
1: thing that plays into this moment, as you called it, is the publication of this winner's take all book, um, by Anand Girida Haradas. I'm sure I'm not pronouncing that right. And this notion that there's a kind of um you know, impact washing or greenwashing going on writ large—not just in, in in impact investing, but across this whole landscape of think tanks and 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 corporate initiatives and 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 ad campaigns and 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 retreats and fellowships—and that a certain you know class, as it were, is foisting a, a kind of false set of solutions on the world uh, under the name of of sort of social change or impact um, that really reinforces. The system. And so there's, so so one of the the cleavages that has come sort of out in this kind of whole spate of, of principle making um, is this kind of split between the kind of find some good investments and, you know, make some you know generally positive difference around the edges crowd on the one hand, and then the sort of the system change crowd on the other hand. So one response is to try to distinguish between those two things. And, you know, system changes is obviously a much deeper dive, bigger lift, more fundamental, more profound and whatnot. But all these other people, as you say, are clamoring to get into the marketplace. And kind of my position is, you know, bring them along, hold them to it, you know, and frankly, you know, take some of their money for the investments in these things that the system change folks want. So it's kind of like, don't bar the door, you know, invite them in.
2: So, I mean, I, look, I agree with you in terms of the, the don't bar the door, right? I think one of the things that is going on here. Um, particularly, sort of from the foundation and the not-for-profit side, is sort of an anxiety over who owns impact, right? In this sense of purity, and that, that they want to keep, that they, they want to keep sort of the purity of like the original intent. Um, and you know, I mean, yeah, arguably, you could see, you know, as as impact grows and becomes more, you know, quote unquote institutional. However, you choose to define that, that that purity. Is and almost should go away, and you know, I mean, look, I find nothing more boring than a set of principles or sort of like checklist of what impact should be. Um, and
1: because you're a journalist, <laughs> I,
2: I am. Um, <laughs> and, and but I also, I just, yeah, it's just asinine, naval gazing, right? Um, but I don't, I don't, I don't wholeheartedly sort of embrace this idea of low no, impact washing is a good thing. I, I think when we're talking about investing. You know, from, from, from where I sit, particularly in sort of institutional investing, it, it has the danger of being an incredibly bad thing. Because I think what you're seeing is you're seeing impact investing being used as a marketing tool, often by B or C list managers who sort of cynically think that they can use this sort of interest in impact, sustainability, ESG, whatever you want to call it, to raise money particularly from institutional investors that they might not otherwise have been able to to raise and i think the problem is that these managers aren't going to suddenly become good because they cloak themselves in the mantle of impact investing in fact they are going to continue to suck and what's going to happen is people are then going to turn around and be like well this didn't work so impact investing is terrible so so you have people trying to burnish their credentials in order to raise capital which is and, and, and aren't but never are they really buying into the sort of the, the underlying notion of the impact and sustainability thesis which is that doing these things should make you better they just think that by doing these things we should be able to raise more money and that so it becomes a downward spiral and that to me is very dangerous
0: so, so David, so it doesn't matter who owns the impact label and does it matter uh, who's deciding who's in the club or who's not in the club, as, as Imogen has pointed out?
1: Well, I don't know, you know, I don't know that anybody can own the label or or, or should, frankly, but um, I agree with you, Imogen, to the point that people are raising money on impact. So that is true. And that's, you know, a marketing hype that comes, you know, with every Trend right, and its impacts turn on that, and that's that is what it is. But I don't agree with you that that's what's smoking it by the institutional investors. And I do think it's important to distinguish between kind of types of investors. And the you know, frankly, the the high net worth family folks who are claiming to be change agents—that's the or change makers in the as the, the phrase goes. Um, you know, those people are in control of their own assets, and they should they should do what they want. And if what they want is to make deep impact, and they're claiming that you know they should make deep impact and they should be held to it and those people possibly are susceptible to fund managers who sell them a story and they should obviously do their due diligence and make sure that doesn't happen that is not the case with these institutional folks, because they were never sold on impact. I mean, you know, up until at least, you know, not even still now, I think you go walk into a pension fund and say, you know, we want to sell you an impact investment. They'll say, you know, go down the hall to the, you know, corporate social responsibility office or the philanthropy office or something. That's not what we do. Um, They're still firmly on the side of, you know, we're we're, we're, you know, we might be long term investors, we might be, you know, risk, you know, aware of investors, but we're not, you know, we're not, you know, saps. And so what they're going to bet on is not, you know, a marketing hype, they're going to bet on somebody that's got an investment thesis that actually delivers those kind of long term or, or, or lower risk or higher return, you know, higher returns. And, if that is impact if that's because you get a premium on organic sustainable food or there's some you know you know savings from reducing waste or you've turned something that used to be a liability into an asset all of those impact alpha things those things could lower risks, those things could boost returns, and those things that thus become good investments, not because somebody wrapped it up in an impact label, but because you could
0: actually show the performance. So so Imogen, yeah. is David right to separate the uh, high no. net worth investors? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but,
2: <laughs> no he's, he's right to separate the high net worth individuals from the impact investors. And he's from from, from right institutional in investors. There is, yeah, sorry, from institutional investors. And he's right insofar as there is a difference between What is the impact intention of the investor slash allocator? And what is the impact intention of the fund? And that those are two different conversations. However, he is wrong (laughs) in his diagnosis of the problem for institutional investors. In that, yes, it's true that sort of impact investing has been sort of a dirty word, not a dirty word, but impact investing has been... A There's been a
0: perception bias around the impact label among yes. institutional so investors. institutions
2: have been very skeptical of impact investing and if you come in the doors and if, if, if you know, I mean, you know, you talk to money managers, they'll be like, look, if we put impact investing in our deck, it's much harder to raise money from an institutional investor than if we don't. And they literally will have two marketing decks for that reason. However, and what you've seen over really what you want to call it like the last five years in particular is an increasing amount of pressure on these asset owners um, to make what, let's call them sustainable investment commitments, because, you know, again, sustainability, ESG, impact, all of these things. So that is, you know, that's coming from the top. It's people who have signed up to the UMPRI. it's You know, we're going to see it at the Governor's Climate Summit, Right that there are coming up in San Francisco, you know, imminently, Um, that people are under pressure both to recognize the significance of the need to invest in, you know, climate solutions, you know, other kind of social impact areas and, and to do something about it. So, but there isn't, to their mind, there isn't a lot of, institutional quality product out there so where i think it becomes dangerous yes so if you if you rock up and you like don't have a track record and you know you don't look like an institutional asset manager then the chances are that you're going to have a tough job getting through the door however i think what's happening is that people who have institutional large institutional asset managers are recognizing this need for some kind of impact type product and therefore using that to raise money. And those people have less of a problem getting in the door, arguably for good reason, because um, they look somewhat institutional. And that's the kind of impact washing that I think is concerning, at least for an institutional marketplace.
0: So, David, how do we separate the impact from the impact washing and the reality from the hype? So, what is needed to actually uh, understand who is uh, just trying to use this as a marketing ploy and who is actually doing real deep analysis to get to that impact alpha uh, investment opportunities?
1: Well, Imogen mentioned the the Global Climate Action Summit here in San Francisco, Um, and in fact, the centerpiece of it, you know, was supposed to be, or it, and maybe yet will be, um, a set of commitments from all kinds of actors, right? So there's a, something called the Investor's Agenda that a bunch of folks have pulled together, it's mostly kind of European pension funds, and, uh, you know, a few Canadians, a few a few Australians, uh, a few Californians. Um, uh, and they're, you know, they've pledged some hundreds of billions, and, and it, it adds up into trillions for climate action of, of some sort. The, um, the foundations are coming forward, you know, saying, we're, going to collaborate and go big, as they say, on climate action. Um, you know, corporations are making various kinds of commitments. Cities and states are making commitments as part of this America's pledge to kind of carry forward on Paris in the absence of, you know, Trump administration support. So the commitments are, you know, good, puts them on record as, uh, and, and you can keep them to it. But they're also a form of impact, Washington, to be Clear about right, it, right? right.
0: I mean, when you say? Wait, what do you mean? You can keep them to it. How, how? What is the accountability in these commitments?
1: Well, you know, I think I think there's a journalistic role. We, we try to play it as, as best we can, and others do as well. I think there's a uh, a sort of marketplace of of opinion uh, role, which which is is even broader, which is just. Uh, you know, for, and and this is just my example. The 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 banks. Every bank has a press release out in the last year or so that says we're gonna spend, we're going we commit to doing a green finance of 200 billion dollars over the next, you know, before 2022 say. And you do the math on that and and it's a much smaller number per year and it's and and it's not that much higher it's in generally we found it's about 15% higher than their what they would claim to be their current run rate which doesn't frankly seem like, you know, the you know, the massive response to an urgent challenge. It seems like you know an incremental increase, and so these things you know have so so one one way we're going to keep into account is sort of read beneath the headline, you know, do the math, and 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 make sure everybody knows you know what's what. There's a deeper level you have to dig into if you have a uh, an ESG aligned mutual fund, and then that has a set of holdings, then you have to dig into the sustainability of the holdings, and you know it's you know there's a lot of work to be done. But my basic contention is a lot of that work will be done. The more money that flows into it. There's no shortage of people who know how to do all that analysis. And if there's a real, you know, competitive marketplace and people are vying for it, then then that will all come out in the wash.
2: But I think bringing up the example of the banks is is, is raises an interesting point, right? Which is, you know, and, and I think that, you know, this idea of impact washing I, I sort of resonates in almost even in a more troubling way, right, to the extent at w- that which the banks and other organizations like this are putting out pledges to say, we will do X, Y, and Z, you know, it implies that green finance is something that is concessionary, right, is something that we otherwise wouldn't be doing. But because, you know, oh, we realize that the world is going to shit, maybe we should take a little bit of money and do something about it, rather than saying that, actually, this is a critical spoke of our business that we anticipate is going to grow and become hugely profitable over the coming 10 years, right? If that.
1: But that's just, sorry to interrupt, but that's exactly the point, which is if you make the bet on the low carbon future and you believe that you should really be overweighted in the new thing and underweight yourself in the old thing, then your your impact washing yes you put out the press release but as you get into the business and you make the loans and you make the investments and you then you should be seeing that as not concessionary like you say but that actually the future of your business
2: you should and and so and so this this is sort of the 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 same point that i'm making in sort of private equity for example impact washing becomes detrimental to the greater growth of impact investing because in this instance, it doesn't get seen as a profit center. It gets seen as some kind of concessionary center. And people don't join the dots because organizations are always sort of siloed into saying, no, that they're not learning the lesson, necessarily learning the lessons that you want indeed, them to learn indeed. from. I,
1: I, totally, from I totally agree. And, in fact, that's my critique of these principles, which is the principles implicitly confirm just what you're saying. Um, so the impact washing De, de, you know, devalues it, but then the principles put it in this in this bucket that you're talking about, and make it sound make it sound like exactly. a point so of virtue ways- among virtuous people, and a kind of self righteousness among the the gatekeepers. And I think that's just not the right discussion to be having.
2: Well, and I think it comes from this sort of fundamental problem that who are the original owners of impact investing, and it is the sort of cottage industry of foundations and think tanks and earnest people doing honest stuff and that and and there isn't an, in, in a sense an, an inherent distrust ironically of sort of like capitalism and sort of profiteering built within that and so in order for I mean you know I've had this conversation many times but it, in order for impact to grow and scale at the rate that it needs to do so it needs to break up out of those right. and,
0: and, and, and to David's and to David's earlier reference to Anand's winners take-all book though the, the subtitle of that book is the Elite charade of Changing the World or Imogen as you might call it the elite charade of uh, Changing the world and, and I think that that's related to this idea of impact washing is it is you know there are those uh, who were at the the, the the early adopters of impact investing the true believers of it uh, who were perhaps trying to work uh, to change the system. Um, And now there are those who are trying to work within the system. And and the question is, uh, is impact investing itself, whether or not it's true impact investing or impact washing, is impact investing a tool to work to change the system from within, or is it a... A, a tool or a movement to uh, change the system from outside the system itself, and and so, you know, there are the early adopters and the true believers and the earnest people, Imogen, that you are saying who are the kind of the the, the the champions of impact investing. But in order to get to impact investing to scale. Uh, we need to as imogen you've made this point many times, we need to access the trillions and trillions of dollars in the scale of the uh mainstream capital markets. so is there an inherent tension here uh in I'm, getting to scale i'm i'm yes i'm
1: old enough to remember when you know work within the system or, or or tear it down was was you know went around the first few times in 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 the college dorm rooms you know um and I think that's just not the theory of change to be operating under. I mean, we, we've used the term infect the host, right? There's all kinds of, you know, very sharp folks coming up just through MBA programs, you know, but also through, you know, development work, through global health, through, through other places coming up, you know, making stuff happen within their own, you know, organizations and their own domains and their own sectors. And those people all want to be successful and impactful and I, I do believe in their, you know, authentic, you know, intentions to make change. And as they drive forward with their own careers and their own agendas, they're changing these institutions all around the place. And it's just an inc- ever-accreting, you know, movement of, you know, what we call agents of impact and it's inside the system. It's outside the system. It's within government. It's within corporations. It's within you know a- asset managing and a- and asset allocation all over the place. People are doing this, and it's and I think that's the way to frame it. There's always a- another hill to take about you know depth of change. Um, but what we're but what we really want to do is 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 make sure this is you know this is the new um, dominant paradigm, as people would say, impact.
0: So and and. Uh, and- President Obama had uh, talked about his legacy and talking about he was trying to get his paragraph in the longer narrative right. Thinking that, uh, uh, and so is it is it a matter of us getting the impact investing paragraph right, or is it about uh, burning the book and, and starting all over?
2: I mean, I think I shockingly I agree with David.
0: <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> What is this podcast number 66 or 67? Yeah, we, need a, we need a, instead of just, the Impact Alpha ding, 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 we need another like sound effect for it when you two <laughs> agree.
2: We should just never do another podcast again, right? We're done. <laughs> like this is.
0: Don't
1: suggest it. People will people will write in. <laughs>
2: <Peak> <laughs> ROI podcast. Um, and I mean, I, I, I think it is about getting Impact Investing's paragraph in the narrative of history right. But I think the challenges and maybe, you know, maybe this is sort of, you know, the growing pains of impact that, therefore, in order for history to go forward, some people have to become smaller, right? That they can no longer be the massive players and other people have to start buying into this narrative in order that it becomes the dominant narrative. Um, And, yeah, I mean, I, I do remain optimistic that it will happen over time, that the, the, the challenge, and this is always David's frustration, is, is we don't have enough time. We don't have the 20, 30 years to prove the thesis. And so there is there is a need to act now to, to accelerate that runway. And frankly, I think that's, that's where participants in the broader impact community have fallen down. I think that they've been too busy creating their own separate institutions then accelerating the the larger change.
1: It gets very meta very quickly here because, you know, you mentioned the subtitle of the book, of The Elite Charade. And, you know, so uh, the impact washers presumably are part of that elite charade, right? But then are the people writing principles to combat impact washing, you know, Part of that elite charade because they're, you know, similarly sort of just dressing up, you know, their own, you know, privilege and whatnot, and you know a lot of them are foundations who are, you know, sitting in 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 fancy offices and whatnot, and then you know frankly are the journalists who are criticizing the principle makers are they part of the elite charade too because you know we're, you know, selling newsletter subscriptions based on you know this this debate over the. Over the principle, so I mean, it's you, there's, it's very hard to know exactly where to stand as we write that paragraph in history, <laughs>
0: Brian. And, and at the risk of quoting another, uh, at the risk of quoting another uh, former Democratic uh, president, but uh, John F. Kennedy uh, famously said that the torch has been passed to a new generation. Uh, and, and, and so the question is, uh, is the impact investing torch being passed from those early champions of it? Uh, to those who have the capabilities and the connections and the wherewithal to actually uh, uh, access the mainstream capital markets and take it to scale? Or is it being reluctantly uh, given to them? Or is it being grabbed uh, by those who would co-opt the movement and co-opt the torch for their own uh, less than uh, impactful uh, ends?
2: And I, I think what I'm saying is at this point, we need to be careful or people need to be careful about who they're handing the torch to because it's not entirely clear that all of the people who are reaching for the torch necessarily have built into their DNA the, the broader point and the belief that impact there is impact alpha.
1: There's no torch. There's no torch. This is all these are all just tools, solutions, approaches that can be deployed in the service of solving some big problems. Impact investors happen to pioneer them, but there's there's no torch to be passed. These are these are this is something to be grabbed by by everybody.
0: By anyway, it's an open source idea. Impact is there for anybody to pick up and take. Come and get it. Come and get it. Okay. Well, I think that's a good place to take, uh, to, to take it. <laughs> a good place to take it and a good place to leave it. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode of Returns on Investment. Thank you, Imogen Rose Smith.
2: Thank you, Brian.
0: And thank you, David Bank. Always fun, you guys. Special thanks, as always, to our technical producer, Isaac Silk. This podcast has been a production of Impact Alpha, providing news and insights for those working to build an inclusive, sustainable, and growing economy, whether they are torch passers or torch takers. From New York, I'm Brian Walsh. Thanks for listening to Returns on Investment. We look forward to speaking with you soon.